after experiencing personal health issues and being dismissed by healthcare providers. Our next guest is using his deep technical expertise and passion for helping others to find answers in their health data and break the limitations of wearable technology for greater performance and higher quality of life. Patrick Sammy, CEO of SPAN, joins us to discuss how his team is blending research, coaching, and technology to translate biometric data into personalized habit experiments to unlock a person's health potential. Join us to learn how Patrick and the SPAN team are unlocking longevity fitness. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Patrick, welcome to our podcast. And from one Stanford alum to another, go Cardinal. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for all having me. Well, due to your personal health experiences and doctors telling you it runs in the family, coupled with your deep technical expertise to know there must be answers in your health data, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. But before we dive in, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And lastly, please visit the bottom of the episode notes to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Clubhouse in order to further the conversations occurring on this podcast. All right, Patrick, it's almost time for our community to learn how you and the SPAN team are unlocking longevity fitness through data-driven insights. But first, what is that one piece of advice that you would give to others who are passionate about reimagining the health of our world. The one thing I would say is that it is a very, very interesting space and people can be driven by various motivations. And the most difficult part is to not be too optimistic and to have that nice balance of optimism and being realistic, really understanding what's at stake for everyone because it's a very people-driven industry. And there's a lot of things to learn here to find the right balance to make something successful. I love it, Patrick. Thank you for bringing that. And some might say uh, bringing a pragmatic view to the industry and to the solving problems that are needed, right? And so I'm sure you've seen this a lot working with entrepreneurs. I know you've been in the entrepreneurial startup community for some time as well. We see a lot of entrepreneurs come in with a problem they want to solve, build for it, and then find a home for it versus What are the problems that the industry needs to be solved and go tackle that? And then, of course, the true intersection is coupling that with your own personal passions to make the world a better place. But I couldn't agree more with you, Patrick, bringing pragmatism to solving problems at hand and understanding that balance between a dream state, if you will, but really, truly being on the ground and hearing it from the end users. And Patrick, I'm sure that's part of what you guys are doing at SPAN is looking at it through a pragmatic window of what your consumers, what your end users need. Would that be true? A hundred percent. I think we're taking a slightly different approach maybe by being a consumer only company at this stage. And so that means that where we fit in the healthcare system is slightly different maybe from a company that would be uh, working directly with payers or providers and have a lot of different types of interactions. That being said, 
we are providing health coaching advice and the individuals that we're coaching have a medical doctor and they have other people they're working with. And so I think one of the things that we're really conscious about is how does that interaction look like? How are we working with all the professionals that someone might have around them to be able to help them achieve their best health? I love it. And Patrick, you just teed me up. We're going to be unpacking all of that to hear how you are working with your stakeholders, with your end users, after we get back from thinking our community champion sponsor. Located in Denver, Colorado's nationally ranked River North District, Catalyst is a healthcare innovation campus that brings together stakeholders from across the industry to accelerate innovation and drive real, lasting change our nation desperately needs. From established organizations to startups, from accelerators to advocacy organizations, and from medical schools to global companies, everyone at Catalyst works side by side to create, develop, refine, and bring to market cutting-edge innovations that will fundamentally transform healthcare as we know it. With industry leaders like Medical Group Management Association, Olive, Medical Solutions, UC Health, Cirrus MD, and many others calling Catalyst home, along with innovative pioneers visiting from across the nation, Catalyst continually fosters their foundational belief that collaboration and partnerships will move the healthcare industry forward. To virtually tour Catalyst and claim your space on campus or host an upcoming event, visit CatalystHealthTech.com or visit the top of the episode notes and click on their link. All right, we are back with Patrick Sammy, CEO of SPAN. Patrick, thank you again for joining us. Really looking forward to this conversation today. You guys are doing some incredible work. I can't wait to hear how it all came together in the first place because there is an incredible story behind how SPAN was founded in the first place. So we're going to unpack that in just a moment. Talk about where you guys are in the marketplace today, what you're experiencing, how's it going, and then, of course, where you see things heading, not just for SPAN, but of course, where the industry is going, what is the gonna, consumer going to need and demand in the next number of years? And of course, how you guys are going to answer that call. Then we'll ask you how we can be helping you get some contact points to find you guys online. We'll get out of here. But first, Patrick, let's rewind that clock. Founder's journey, history of how you got here in the first place. We teed it up at the beginning that you're hearing from your physicians that it must run in the family. You weren't satisfied with that. You were hungry to seek more, figure it out and really bring some solutions to the marketplace so others like you can solve for it as well. So Patrick, take us back. How'd this all come to be? How'd you figure out to launch Span? How'd it come to be? Yeah, so uh, let's say on one side, I've been around technology my whole life. My dad was uh, really passionate about technology when I was growing up and we had the internet pretty early and we had all these things that became natural for me to play with whether it's like launching a video game on a computer or with the internet trying to push a website and see how you can get people to be interested in what you're writing and, and then learning. Obviously, I was a very curious kid and there's some very specific things in school that I was interested in and I was probably ignoring and bored about the rest, but I was re- incredibly curious about biology and, and learning these things. And on the other side, we talked about this, Mike, but you played football in university. I played tennis my whole life and I did a lot of competition. And I think the performance, the seeking betterment, seeking this personal approach to improving yourself continuously is something that's uh, deeply personal and a main motivation for me. And so I kept doing that, but my life changed after I finished university and I started my first full-time job. I was working at Microsoft. I was an engineer. I was sitting at a desk most of the day. And I was only playing tennis maybe once or twice during the week and mostly on the weekends. 
So that intensity in the training, that intensity, I was obviously not competing anymore. So all these things completely changed. And that's what drove lack of or decrease in energy levels, in mental clarity, in all the things that made quality of life what it was when I was 25 and could get away with a lot of things that at this point being 28 and then 29 were definitely deteriorating. And so I became obsessed about how to improve this. And this is really what started this journey for me. It's how do I make sense of being 28, 29, otherwise healthy on paper and not feeling great on a daily basis? How do you actually measure what's going to help me improve and then identify how to improve those measurements over time? And so I became really obsessed about this. I started buying buying a ton of devices. I had this worrying that I've now graded recently, an Apple Watch. I'm wearing a continuous blood sugar monitor. Not continuously, but maybe once every quarter. And everything is giving me information on what I eat, how I sleep, and how I exercise, or the type of exercise I do, and what's the impact of all these things on the core metrics of my health. 50 years ago, we didn't have any of these things. 10 years ago, we started getting the Fitbits and the Jawbones, and so we had steps and heart rate. It was pretty simple. There's not a lot of actionable stuff you can do on a daily basis from your heart rate. It's not going to change very much based on what you do. And also wasn't accurate enough that maybe you would pick up on small things like eating dinner really late and going to sleep and seeing your heart rate stay up for longer than the previous night. Now with this thing on my finger, I can get top accuracy on these things. So we have the kind of medical data you could get in a hospital maybe 20 years ago with a lot of equipment around you and multiple probes on your body and so on from something that's as simple as a a strap on your wrist or a ring on your finger. And I think this is the main change that drove me to think, okay, the world has changed. We have all this data that we couldn't get continuously and we're still not doing anything with it. And that kind of led me to go to one of my friends, Dr. Adam Batene, who specializes in longevity, the kind of doctor who wished there was some sort of longevity specialization after you finish medical school, which doesn't, obviously doesn't exist. If you want to do anything that's not a traditional healthcare specialization, it's very difficult to achieve that in your career. So you have to build it yourself, to surround yourselves with professionals who are doing this, maybe join a practice and see if we can work with those individuals and learn from them. There's no training program like you would do residency for urology or any other specialty. So he became obsessed about this and the research behind longevity. And over more than five years and doing masters in genomics and trying to find workarounds to get that knowledge, he ended up building a lot of interest and skills in identifying how do you look at this data and make sense of it? And then how do you help someone actually identify the interventions that exist that could help them? And so that's what's led to us working together, basically. So before starting a company, Adam and I were actually working together on my health, trying to solve my problem. Oh, I love it. And thank you for that backdrop. And I do want to ask a question or two about Dr. Batena, your co-founder. Here he was burnt out on the traditional path for a doctor that uh, so many have gone through. He had had it. He was done with it. You approached him. How was those initial conversations about a trained physician to become a tech entrepreneur? And you ask him, hey, Are these some of the things that you're seeing as well from a patient's perspective, right? Because that's what you were. How were those initial early conversations between both of you that then turned into the company, which we're going to talk about in just a moment, 
But of course, let our audience know what were those conversations like? Because I always find those fascinating. That's a really great question. And I think it's the answer will say a lot about the kind of person that Adam is. He was extremely open about the world of technology, what we could achieve with the medical knowledge he had on these specific topics, the technical knowledge I had on the software and the, the technology that we could build around it. And he also, without knowing necessarily the, the technology side, he had the vision for what it could be. He was interested enough in what technology can bring to medicine that he didn't have any mental barriers and said, oh, this can happen because there's this protocol or this clinical thing. So we both agreed that we should treat this problem and try and solve it from first principles, ignore everything else, just have a great first principles approach and rebuild things. And then obviously you take into account things that maybe would be hurdles on the way and you find workarounds for these. But you have to start from something that's independent of how the system is built today and find a way to deliver that first version of what the solution could be to the problem in a very independent way. I love it. Well, thank you for sharing that because it's important that founder's journey, finding those aha moments together is an incredible part of building companies just like Span. So let's talk about those solutions that you and the team have been bringing to the marketplace I know you've done it a number of times, Patrick. I'll ask you to do it yet again. What's the elevator pitch? What is Span? So Span is a longevity coaching platform that uses the data that you already have probably from an Apple Watch, an Oura Ring, a Whoopstrap, 23andMe, even if you've done just an ancestry test. A lot of us now have one piece of data that we have from these devices or platforms. So we connect to these and we help you identify how you can improve. And so the first step is, what should I actually improve first? Is my heart rate fine? Okay, let's move to something else. This ring is measuring my sleep or the, the Apple Watch is me measuring my sleep. What are the metrics here that I can actually improve to sleep consistently at the same level, wake up with great energy levels, have great mental clarity throughout the day. And it turns out that there's a ton of science behind this, but it's incredibly difficult if you have one of these devices, you go on Google and you type, what is REM sleep? What does it mean? What do I get if I get more REM sleep during the day? And how do I even improve it? And it turns out that REM sleep is one of the best things you can get if you want to be productive during the day. If you want to have like great ability to maintain mental clarity for eight hours straight when you're recording podcasts or doing meetings or doing all these things. And so it is actually important for people who are looking to perform on a daily basis. And you don't have to be an athlete. You have to be that this sort of everyday athlete mentality that you apply to your work, maybe. And this is exactly what we were going after. We're trying to help these individuals identify from the data that they have already, where to prioritize the, the efforts in terms of health. How do you find things that you can change that are very simple habits that you can implement one by one? And our technology would actually help them identify what's the performance of this new habit that they're implementing. So every two weeks, we try a new change that we call an experiment. Let's say exposing yourself to morning, to natural light in the morning for two minutes, trying a deep rest techniques, meditation techniques, breathing techniques, trying to eat three, three hours earlier before going to bed trying all these different things one by one and every two weeks, and we measure the impact. And the technology will actually look at all this data, compile it for you, build a report and say, 
when you've cut caffeine 10 hours before going to bed, you had 23% less sleep interruptions. And we can show that today for all of our users. We've got more than 25 of these experiments where the data is enough that we can actually look at this variability across all the, the users. So it's almost as if we're using, oh, I mean, this is exactly what we're doing. Adam has built a database of all these scientific interventions. It's not ideas that we had, okay, let's try and look at the lights in the morning and see if it works. We're not coming up with these ideas. It's in the science. We're taking whatever the science is saying on which group was actually successful with this intervention. And obviously there's data there that looked at different aspects and demographics and data from sometimes medical grade devices that measure the same thing that I can measure now with my ring on my finger. And so we're using this to personalize those interventions in the first place. We have a real human coach that will use your experience, your history, your journey, what you've tried, what you haven't tried to identify the best recommendations. Usually we'll start with two or three. You pick the one that you want to run and we'll run it for two weeks and we'll show you if it works or not. And then we'll start again and again and again. So we've got people who have been with us now, more than 100 people are with us. They've been with us on average for more than six months and they've been running a ton of different experiments. I think on average, 70% of these experiments actually work. So they increase in a meaningful way what the person wanted to improve. And that relates to their overarching goals. So they might say, I want to sleep better. I want more energy levels. I want to be ready for this marathon in six months. And, you know, various different goals basically that we can help with. And we take that and we look at the metrics that actually map to that goal. And we help them improve it with the technology. And that it's as simple as that. That's the experience that a lot of people have told us that they want. And so we've been building it for more than 12 months now. Well, Patrick, it sounds simple on the front end when you know an end user like myself or somebody else that may be training for a marathon. It sounds simple on that end. And that's the beauty of brilliant technologists and entrepreneurs like you and Adam. You make it simple for, for us, uh, the end user. But Patrick, I love the vision, but more importantly, I love the reality with what you guys are already experiencing, what you're delivering in the marketplace. Got two questions for you. When you launched into the marketplace, what were some of the things maybe that confirmed your thesis, what confirmed what you guys had with the vision? And then the second one, what were some of the surprises? Were there any like, wow, we did not anticipate X, Y, or Z? So some of those things that maybe confirmed what you guys were thinking about, and then some of those like, oh man, that is a really interesting insight. We maybe need to look at building on something on that as well. That's a great question because we really started based on the, I've just explained the story. So we basically started from this story. Adam and I worked for six months on my health and we improved a ton of things by running these experiments without calling them experiments. And he was looking at a spreadsheet with all the data I was extracting and saying every week, oh, okay, this is working, this is not working. Let me try and do this. And so he would suggest something to change for two or three weeks and then we'll see how it changed. And so we massively improved my glucose variability, my sleep interruptions, the consistency of these things. And after six months, I was like, okay, I have a lot more energy levels. I'm back to where I was when I was 25 and actually 30 now. So basically reversed aging, or at least reversed that aspect of where my daily quality of life was. And so it was incredibly powerful to me. I had seen before uh, clinics that are focused on longevity or sports medicine that would offer you the same kind of interventions and coaching platforms with an MD that reviews your data and all of that. With medical grade devices in a practice, things that we can't do virtually, but at the same time, 80% of what they did, we could now do at home with those wearables. And they would charge you around $50,000 per month to do this. 
There's some that are cheaper, but it's still on the order of 10,000 a month and some that are more, much more expensive. And the top longevity clinics now charge 100K a month. And so I thought this is pretty unique. Like we've done this and you checked in with me and spent maybe 30 minutes per week looking at my data. And, you know, over time, there was no technology, just a spreadsheet at this point. And so we thought, okay, let's build some technology. Let's make this much more efficient and see if we can help everyone get this approach uh, right. And so this is how we came up with the idea. So the big assumption is Patrick has this problem. Is it just him or can we find other people who have the same problem? And so we started building a website and we didn't have any idea when we wrote the messaging, the copywriting on the website, who we were actually going after. And after some time, so we had this registration form and we talked to all these customers. We jumped on a call with them and we asked them, okay, what's your goal? What are you trying, trying to achieve? What kind of job do you have? Who do you go to to learn in health? Do you listen to podcasts? Do you read books? And we learned all these things. And it made me, maybe took about six months initially. So for six months, we were a little bit lost, to be honest. That, I think that's one of the problems when you're seeking product market fits. You've got all this feedback from people who are completely different, have different goals. And the best thing we've done to reduce that scope is to actually say at this point, okay, we've got now a good scope of these different individuals, personas, and things like that. Let's try and put a price in front of them and see who's actually interested in paying. Because in the end, it has to be a business. You're providing value, but you want people to pay for that value so that the math makes sense. And so we tried that, and it instantly split the groups. The people who were performers, not necessarily athletes again, but interested on a daily basis for as a founder, entrepreneur, executive, in finance, in technology, these were the individuals who were the most interested, ready to pay, and genuinely interested in reaching that goal for themselves, enough that they would actually pay for that service. And that changed everything because we started getting product market fit pretty quickly as soon as we put that price in front of them. So it separated those two groups and allowed us to really say, okay, these are really the early adopters. And we can see how the people who are in the middle would be convinced at some point when they have the right level of education and they get to that same understanding that the other users that are joining now have, that this is something they want now and they know why they want it. And as a company that's just starting, you have to focus on the niche of people who are the most interested in your product initially. So although it does apply to the larger population, over time, we can see that people read our blog where there's all the information that we're learning for free and get educated and they're on the wait list and the newsletter and they're not like, oh, I understand why I need man now, and then then sign up. And so I think this was key in the process for us to really refine who the target customer is and to get to that part of market fit. But it did take a lot of trial and error really to get there. That's the founder's journey wrapped in this in your statement right there. It's exactly it. Finding product market fit. There's nothing wrong with iterating, trying new things, hypothesizing, failing, failing fast if needed. Or like you said, you start seeing that fit and pour some gasoline on it to accelerate it even more. And you also, of course, as you knew, Patrick, you just described the innovator's bell curve. You got to treat those folks on the far left of the bell curve, those early adopters. You got to treat them like gold. Those are the people that become those super fans that really understand what you guys are up to with your vision that can then bring along those other adopters later on down the road. So I love how you laid that out, Patrick. One last question. We're going to talk a little future state in just a moment. One last question for you, though. I'm interested in, I personally love experiments, trying new things, failing where failure needs to happen, or accelerating things where you're starting to see success. I personally love it. You probably do too as a startup founder. 
That's the life. That's how we find success in the startup and entrepreneurial game. But when we apply experiments to what you are doing with your end users, your consumers, how has the reception been around this notion of experiments? A lot of consumers, I think, you're the expert, not me, but I think a lot of consumers are like, just tell me what to do. Just give me a game plan and just tell me what to do. I don't want to do a bunch of experiments. Just tell me how to lose 30 pounds. How has the reception been with your consumers about this notion and about this idea of experiments? That's, uh, again, like excellent question. A big part of the product building journey that we've been through, but we're also still going through today. It's identifying how do you satisfy a group of people that's large enough, that's a significant portion of these early adopters, without being too technical, essentially. So the question is, in terms of terminology, do you want to actually use the word experiment? Or should you talk about something like a routine or something that's a bit more general in terms of the concept? And so we've been experimenting with different things like that. We've been changing the product, including different words that, for example, the concept of statistical significance when you're doing something like this. You're changing something in your life. You want to make sure you have enough data to actually say, okay, this is working. And so the first thing to validate is whether people want to see that. Do they actually want the coach to to say, okay, do this for two weeks. I'll tell you in two weeks if it's working or not, and then we'll adjust. Or do they actually also want to see the data? And so in this coach member interaction, we've been designing how much does the coach see on their side? How much does the member want to see on their side? And how much do they not want to see, but they want to be told what to do based on the outcome? And that balance is really interesting. So I think we've figured out maybe the 80% of the job and we've got a core feedback loop here that works pretty well. But I 100% agree, it comes down to, yes, we're running experiments, but you can also see your, you know, there's another tab on the app. You can see your routine. You can see all the things like a Google calendar of only your health habits. And people love that. They just go through that because they know what to do. And it takes into account the frequency if you're only doing high-intensity interval training, twice a week, it will take into account all these things like a, a calendar would do. And the concept of experimentation is there and you know they like this idea that they, they're seeing progress and they're competing with themselves to actually improve these things. But it's because we've simplified that concept a lot and the coach is taking, is doing the heavy lifting of actually telling them, here are three things that we can do in the next three months and let's try and do one at a time. But there's a little bit of a compromise here as well in terms of allowing the members to do more if they want. That's an excellent explanation. And I love that you guys are still fine-tuning that balance between routine and experimentation. And, and of course, words matter. You mentioned it. How you describe this, how you message to your member. I love it. It's brilliant. So thank you for sharing that, Patrick. Well, let's talk a little future state as well, right? I mean, the notion of consumerism in healthcare, the notion of giving that power back to the consumer, back to the healthcare speak, the patient, if you will. What does the future look like, not only for you and the SPAN team, but for the industry writ large? Are we there? I mean, we've had these wearables, or you already mentioned we've had these wearables for a number of years. We've seen hype cycles over and over again. You know that, I know that. But where are we heading in the next two to three years, Patrick? And then with that, where is SPAN going to help answer that call of where we are heading? Yeah, there's a very interesting number right now, which, and you alluded to the fact that there's been hype cycles with wearables and a lot of people in 2010 bought a lot of Fitbits and they're probably not using them anymore. The retention wasn't great. And the wearables that we are seeing today are an order of magnitude better. And you can see that in the data because the retention is a little better. The retention is better. The number of 
active users of wearable in the US is increasing massively as a result of this retention going up. So it's not anymore the sales of wearables are going up. We know that. But do we actually have more Americans using the wearables on a daily basis? And the last number that we were looking at with different consulting companies that look at these um, these market uh, research uh, things said that they've estimated right now that it's 70 million people who are actively using their wearable in the US. It's a huge part of the population. Most of these are Apple Watches. So you could consider that not all of them are interested in necessarily the health data within their Apple Watches, but they are measuring this. They're collecting this data and it's there on their phone. They're not using it actively to actually make decisions. And this is the mission that we have. We, we want to take the 70 million people who have that today on their wrist, on their finger, and tell them you need to be on span and you need to, to be able to decide what to do with your health. And you know, you're working out every day. And should you even be doing that? Should you be working once a day? Or should we be actually working out only when this number is at this threshold? So you're always recovering enough and you have a good balance of strain and recovery. So basically, yeah, what we're trying to get to the 70 million people right now and make sure that we can help them and make the product more accessible to get there. But then why not go to the entire uh, US population? I think there's a goal in the end. The market of wearables is making a huge progress, but also it's not just about wearables. It is a first step, but there's other companies doing other things like Aid Sleep that have a mattress. It measures your quality of your sleep, which is great. We can get the data. We can help you as well. You don't have to wear anything. You go on your bed, you sleep, you get some data, and we tell you what to do. So the loop could be closed pretty much automatically. The best thing with those products is that they're starting to also control your environment. So the eight sleep bed will also change the temperature. They do thermal regulation. If you are too hot when you're sleeping at night in your second phase of your sleep, they will lower the temperature. And then they will bring it up when you're waking up so that you'll have the perfect sleep every night. And so all of these things are starting to be even more intelligent. And so some of the things that we're doing will allow us to inform them and the data they're collecting will inform us. And so there's a larger thing at play here in terms of how we are all learning from the data that we're generating. Most of these companies, including us, at some point will want to run partnerships with universities to run our own research. I was talking about this 10-hour rule for caffeine and all these things. Some of it has already a robust level of evidence behind it. Some of these interventions don't or could be researched in a way that's a lot more focused on what we're seeing. If we see a specific group that has specific criteria that we can reverse engineer from our data sets and then say it would be interesting to run a study on this specific uh, group of people, I think it would be incredibly powerful because we can actually generate that data and it would be useful for everyone who will publish in, in a medical paper and then we'll be able to use that for different applications. It's a very exciting future, Patrick, and one that I feel is pretty close to reality and going to be on our doorstep here very, very soon, if not already arriving. So thank you for sharing a little bit of the future state of where you see things heading, not only just for SPAN, but of course, the industry writ large. It's an amazing uh, time and an amazing opportunity at hand here. But of course, let's take it back to today, Patrick. Let's take it back to current state. I want to ask how we can be helping you and the SPAN team. We have an amazing community rallied around this podcast. So what's one problem, need, or question that you and the team have that our community can be helping you with? So one of the big challenges right now on the, um, it's not necessarily on the growth side because for this kind of consumer product that we have, it's always fueled by word of mouth. If you have a great product, if you have a Tesla level product or an Apple level product, people will talk about it and at some point you'll get your growth from this. So the focus is really on building an exceptionally 
good product, something that that's extraordinary almost. And to do this, we've been looking at how do you build a multidisciplinary team? And I'm sure in your audience, in your community, a lot of people have done this because if you do medical company that uses technology, you're going to have to have these interactions with your team. And medical, clinical professionals don't necessarily have an understanding of what technology is or what, how much time it takes to build a piece of software and how to communicate feedback and what product management is for a technology company. And so this is the challenge that we have right now is designing a company culture, designing processes that allow us to be better at that and to make sure that we are all contributing to the product team in a way that's the most efficient possible, gathering the feedback from all ends. If you think about it, we have coaches speaking with customers every day. Not every company has that opportunity. Some people just interact with software and the the number of interactions you have to actually get them to give feedback are pretty low. And so we want to make sure that we're using this and we've been working with the heart of product on this uh, in the last few months. Well, in order for our community to help you out with the ask there, Patrick, of course, they need to be able to get a hold of you and the team online. So where can we find you? Websites, social media handles, or otherwise, where can we find you online? Yeah. So uh, if you want to send me a message, I'm at Patrick Sammy, Sammy, S-A-M-Y on Twitter. That's the best way to reach me. Adam is pretty much the same, Dr. Adam Bat, B-A-T. And otherwise, if you want to check Span out or just read the blog and then reach out to us there, it's www.span.health. Easy enough. And we'll include all of those uh, contact points for... Patrick and his team in the episode notes. So simply scroll down in your favorite podcast player and click on through to get a hold of Patrick and the team. Additionally, you can head over to our free global online community at passionatepioneers.com. There will be a post for Patrick in this episode to get a hold of, of his team and leave some comments, feedback, suggestions, or otherwise in the comments section, again, over at passionatepioneers.com. Well, Patrick, thank you so much. We have one more piece and then we'll get you out of here. It's a fill in the blank. I'm a passionate pioneer because? Because... I think it's very important to do something in your life that you're passionate about. And I'm deeply driven by fixing this problem for many reasons. The number of chronic conditions in my family, my personal journey, and my enthusiasm for the results that I've been able to achieve on myself. And I'm I'm still striving to improve. And I think that that is incredibly important to succeed. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for that, Patrick. And thank you for joining up today again from one cardinal to another. Go Stanford. Always great to connect with uh, fellow alums. Wishing you and the team all the best at SPAN. Keep up the great work. Keep us posted with how things are going. I know our audience is going to absolutely love this conversation. So, Patrick, again, thank you for taking a pit stop on our podcast today. Keep up the great work. Keep climbing. But again, thank you so much for your time today. Will do, yeah. And thank you so much again for having me. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.